0: We stand in your presence, almighty God, and that song and others this morning have lifted our voices, our hearts, and our minds to you. The pictures on the screen have awed us as we consider the reality of the magnificent creation that you have created. There's not one of us in this room that can cause a cloudless sky or determine what temperature it's going to be on any day. Not one of us here who can help the process of moving from winter to spring to summer, but all around us this Mother's Day, we see the fingerprint, God, of your magnificent control over creation. We thank you. We thank you. And right where you're standing, why don't you thank him for his greatness, his majesty, and his love for you and what he has been doing to show you how much he loves you. And why don't you ask him this morning to touch you right at the point of whatever he knows your need to be. God, we're grateful that we don't have to explain to you what's troubling us today or what weighs heavy on us today or where we need your touch today, you understand us better than we understand ourselves. So we do invite you, God, to do what only you can do in each of our lives in these next moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated, dear friends, as I invite the children, the little ones up through grade four. To go ahead and be dismissed to the adults who have been preparing for you. And we thank God and praise God for those dear adults, don't we? Who love to teach other people's children. It's Mother's Day, and we praise God for that. A couple of interesting responses from second graders in answer to some questions. Why did God make mothers? She's the only one who knows where the Scotch tape is in my house. <clears throat> or you'll have to listen to this one closely. To help us out of there when we were getting born. <laughs> What's the difference between moms and dads? Second graders say, mom, mom works at work and mom works at home. Dads just go to work at work. Moms know how to talk to teachers without scaring them. (laughs) Dads are taller and stronger, but moms have all the real power because that's who you go to to ask when you want to sleep over at your friend's house. (laughs) Moms have magic. They make you feel better even without medicine. How about this question? Who's the boss at your house? Here's what second graders say. Mom doesn't want to be boss, but she has to because dad's a goofball. (laughs) Mom's the boss at my house, you can tell by her room inspection. She sees stuff even under my bed. I guess mom's the boss at my house, but only because she has a lot more to do than my dad does and how about this last one if you could change one thing about your mom what would it be second graders say she had this weird thing about me keeping my room clean i'd get rid of that (laughs) or i'd make my mom smarter then she would know it really is my sister who keeps doing all those bad things (laughs) or i'd like to get rid of those invisible eyes that she has on the back of her head Yeah. (laughs) amen aren't you glad for moms I hope you brought your copy of God's Word, and if you did, would you open it, please, in the New Testament to Luke's Gospel. Let's go to the first chapter. If you didn't happen to bring a Bible, there should be one under the chair in front of you. And if somebody would tell me, what page is Luke chapter 1 on in those Bibles underneath the chairs? 723, I think I heard. Thank you. On the front of your worship folder this morning, I wrote a paragraph, as I always try to do, to help us understand the focus of this service. And maybe you've been able to tell by our worship this morning that we're looking at Jesus through the eyes of his earthly mother. One woman had the unique privilege of being called mother to Jesus. No one spent more time with him or knew him more intimately than Mary. Is anyone more qualified to answer the question that we've been asking for several weeks? So who is this man than she does? There are some notes in your worship folder there, and I'd urge you to take them as we consider who is this man, Mary's son, Jesus. In that Luke chapter 1, you'll remember that a young teenage Mary unexpectedly received a visit from an angel who said something to her that sounds preposterous no matter how many times we read it. I I see it there in verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will be with child and give birth to a son. I hope you brought a pencil because for Mary that was a problem. You might want to write next to that scripture there in your notes a moral dilemma. Now, we have a theme verse here at Calvary this year, and I suspect that on that occasion and several more times in Mary's life, she said our theme verse. You'll see it on the screen there, and I want to invite you to say it with me. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, I will not be shaken. Can you hear Mary saying that in those difficult times like when she heard this announcement? My salvation and my honor depend on God. Trust in him at all times, O people. I wonder if she held tightly to that line that says, my honor depends on God, as she felt herself becoming pregnant knowing she had not known a man. So let's consider some of these miraculous things that she experienced. First, a miraculous conception there in those verses that we read. You will be with child. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I'd like to make it a little more personal this morning. I wonder if there is a 16 or 17-year-old girl in the room who'd be willing to come and sit on the platform representing Mary at about the age she was when the angel appeared to her. Is there a 16- or 17-year-old girl in the room who would be willing to join me? I promise I won't ask you any questions. I'll just have you sit here representing Mary. Do we have a teenager in the room? Not one in the whole room who's 16 or 17? Here comes one. Thank you very, very much. Let's encourage her. Thank you. I promised I wouldn't ask you any questions. (laughs) Now imagine an attractive young lady. We really don't know a great deal about Mary. But what we can presume is she had never been to seminary. She had never studied with the great theologians of her day. But it seems quite clear that she was a young woman of great faith who knew God in her own way. She faced a moral dilemma. How could it be possible that I, a young Jewish girl, could be true to my God and true to my fiancé, and at the same time experience this preposterous idea? It didn't end there, of course. Matthew tells us that, you see it there in your notes? Matthew tells us that an angel appeared to Joseph and said, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, a miraculous pregnancy. And the angel said, she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins, a miraculous purpose. Not only was it a moral dilemma, it was a biological dilemma. How could it possibly be? A a young woman who had never had relationship with a man feeling herself becoming pregnant may i tell you dear ladies in the room mothers uh, we men have wondered what must that feel like to actually have life inside of you and you can feel life moving around how does a young teenager experience that knowing that she is still a virgin how does she process that in her heart and her mind And then, of course, this religious dilemma that this child that she's going to give birth to is going to save his people from their sins. How is that possible? Dr. Luke tells us that Mary had a friend, a relative. So I'm asking is there maybe a woman in her 60s in the room who would be willing to come and sit with this young Mary on the platform? Because Luke tells us that there was a woman named Elizabeth who was also experiencing a miracle. Is there a woman in her 60s or maybe her 70s who'd be willing to? Surely, thank you. I'm grateful for you, dear sister. Thank you very, very much. Zechariah, of course, Elizabeth's husband, had also experienced a visit from an angel while he was there in the temple, and he had been told, your wife, even though well past childbearing years, is going to become pregnant, your prayers have been heard. Young teenage Mary, trying to process this information, trying to understand who is this man, Jesus, went to spend time with the most mature, God-honoring woman she knew, Elizabeth. And I believe that in those weeks, Elizabeth helped her understand what her little young mind, may I suggest, couldn't possibly comprehend, that God was working his very special plan And that she had been chosen to be the means by which God would come here. Because, you see, the angel had also told Joseph, and I have it there in your notes, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. A theological dilemma. How could it possibly be that God could live among us in a human body? Can you imagine the conversations that these two had? You see, I want to suggest to you that before the child was ever born, Mary knew an awful lot about this child and several names that had already been attributed to this child. But to understand what they really meant and own the responsibility and the privilege of being mother to this child required a very wonderful, special, unique woman. May I ask you a question? Who has been your Elizabeth in your lifetime? Who has been the person more mature than you in their spiritual journey who has been able to help you with the questions about God that you had? And may I ask you another question? Who have been the Marys in your life, the young ones into whom you have poured your understanding of who God is, your understanding of God's Word? Are you able to list several Elizabeths in your notes, mature, godly men and women who've helped you in the journey? And are, able, are you able to list several Marys, young men and women that you have poured your life into? Because may I suggest, my dear friends, once you have come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, one of the most significant uses of the rest of your life is to do exactly what Elizabeth did with Mary. Would you agree? Helping the young ones around you understand Jesus as you do and keep growing so you have more to share with them. There in in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, the angel was saying to Mary, you'll be with child and give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus. He'll be great and he'll be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end A huge amount of remarkable information about this child she was going to have and his uniqueness and his wonder and his majesty. So, verse 35, the Holy One to be born is to be called the Son of God. Can you imagine all that Mary was learning about this child before the child was ever born so she would be ready to be mother to God on earth among us. Can you imagine the conversation she must have had with her child helping Jesus understand what she had learned about him and what she had experienced before he was ever born? Thank you very, very much. And thank you, dear Shirley, very much. One of the books that I'm urging you to get and to read with me, I'm on my second reading, is this powerful little book called Radical. May I read a couple of paragraphs? The question for us is do we trust God? The problem for us is that in our self-reliant American culture, we are tempted at every turn to trust in ourselves rather than in God. THE CHALLENGE FOR US CHRISTIANS IS TO LIVE IN SUCH A WAY THAT WE ARE RADICALLY DEPENDENT ON AND DESPERATE FOR THE POWER THAT ONLY GOD CAN PROVIDE TO US. THE AMERICAN DREAM RADICALLY DIFFERS FROM THE CALL OF JESUS AND THE ESSENCE OF THE GOSPEL. THE DIFFERENTIATION IS HEIGHTENED WHEN WE CONTRAST TRUST IN THE POWER OF GOD WITH RELIANCE UPON OURSELVES. THE DANGEROUS ASSUMPTION we unknowingly accept in the American dream is that our greatest asset is our own abilities. The American dream prizes what people can accomplish when they believe in themselves and trust in themselves, and we're drawn to that. But the gospel of Jesus has different priorities. The gospel of Jesus beckons us to believe in him and to trust in his power rather than our own. In the gospel, God confronts us with our utter inability to accomplish anything of value apart from him, which is why Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Even more important is the subtly fatal goal we will achieve when we pursue the American dream with abandon. As long as we achieve our desires and our own power, we will always attribute it to our own glory. This, after all, is the goal of the American dream, to make much of ourselves... But here the gospel and the American dream are clearly antithetical to each other. While the goal of the American dream is to make much of ourselves, the goal of the gospel is to make much of Jesus. Amen? I want to suggest to you that Mary probably struggled with that. As she thought about herself being so privileged to be the one through whom Jesus would come to this earth. Can you imagine the struggle she probably had with pride? I see all through the story of Mary a humble woman who was continually wanting to know God and understand his purposes and experience his power in, his, in her life. When it came time, you'll remember, for that baby to be born, still probably only... 16, 17, maybe 18 years of age, she and her husband then, Joseph, had to make their way all the way down to Bethlehem. A long journey, and I would well imagine several times she was asking God, I admit I don't understand this. I've done everything you've asked me to do. But there was a prophecy in Micah that said he would be born there. You remember he was. And you'll remember that another angel appeared to shepherds with another name in Luke chapter 2, saying, A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And those shepherds came to Mary, and she then had the opportunity to receive the first visitors who had been sent to meet her newborn, a unique newborn in the whole world. How do you suppose she felt? Dr. Luke tells us that she treasured these things in her heart as she tried to understand who was this child and what was her role in his life. Is there a 20-year-old woman in the room who would represent for me Mary just a couple of years later? A 20- or 21-year-old woman in the room? Would you come and join me on the platform? Is there one? 19 is close enough. You bet. (laughs) You bet. It's nice to see you.
1: you, Welcome. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Mary is now a mother of a couple of years. Matthew tells us that Joseph and Mary stayed in Bethlehem after the birth of their baby because magi, wise men from the east, had traveled a long period of time to come and visit them in a home. You remember that they brought a new name. They said, we have come to worship the king of the Jews. That presented her with an ethnic dilemma. She and Joseph, of course, were good Jews, but we have to question, were these magi who came Jews or Gentiles? But certainly they were not from Palestine. They were far away. And again, she had to wrestle with what is God doing here and who is my baby Shortly after those magi left, you may remember a young 19- or 20-year-old Mary was faced with one of the harshest experiences of her young life, another angel visit that said, Joseph, get up now and take your young bride and your young son and flee this place. There is great danger coming. And you'll remember Herod's soldiers came and killed all the baby boys two years of age and under. And Mary, uh, a few days or weeks later, found herself as a young mother, barely out of her teen years, as a refugee in Egypt, an unemployed husband, homeless, knowing, as far as we know, no one in that place, not even knowing the language. Moms, you remember back when you had little one, two, three-year-olds, the stress of life Maybe you even had two under the age of three, and diapers seemed to be everywhere. Remember those? Uh, This young Mary experienced, may I say, the pressure cooker of life. But again, we seem to see that she had a remarkable faith in God. And therefore, in the incubator of their home, even in a refugee home in Egypt, little Jesus was growing up understanding, I believe how unusual he was and how great his father was protecting and guiding and providing. We don't know exactly how long they were there. We would presume months at least, maybe a couple of years. And finally, another angel visit that said, it's safe to go back now. They who were trying to kill you are themselves dead And so Joseph took his by now probably 21 or 22-year-old young Mary and their little son, maybe three or four years of age by now, and moved back to Mary's hometown. Oh, wonderful to be able to come back home, but can you imagine the questions? And again, the need for a young mother to know God well so she can be for her son, who her son needs her to be. Moms. This is your day. Honestly, now, what do you think your children, especially your grown adult children, are most appreciative, most grateful for when they think of you? Hmm? I'm sure you're going to receive today phone calls and cards and maybe flowers and all kinds of things that will tell you how special you are. But down deep in the core of who your sons and your daughters are, What do you suppose they most appreciate about you? I wonder if for Mary, what Jesus, as he was growing up, most appreciated, she was a godly woman of great faith and great courage who, as far as we can tell, did her very best to help her son discover who he was and know his father and why he came. Thank you, Mary. I wonder if there's a 30-year-old woman in the room who would help me. Because, you see, the next time that we meet Jesus and the story of Jesus, he's not a little boy anymore. He's about age 12. It was read for us. Thank you, Mike, for reading it early. Is there a 30-year-old or so in the room who would be willing to be Mary for a couple of moments? Not one? Oh, amen. Well, isn't that nice? Thank you, April. You love pressure? (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. My own daughter, isn't that nice? (laughs) Dr. Luke tells us in the second chapter that every year, Joseph and Mary and their little boy, Jesus, who was growing... "...went down to Jerusalem for the Passover festival." Both Dr. Luke and Mark tell us that Joseph and Mary had other children. We don't know exactly how soon they came along in the family, but we can presume that by the time he's 12, there are brothers and perhaps sisters now in the entourage as they're going, so that after they're there with thousands of visitors and it's time to leave... Moms, do you remember a time when you went to the big, busy shopping mall and you took in tow your two or three and maybe a neighbor child or two? Stay close. I don't want to run all over the mall looking for you. And you finished your business. It was time to go, and you counted heads. Oh, my, and there's one missing. Remember the panic? Well, it appears that Joseph and Mary thought he's old enough. We don't have to count heads anymore, and they packed up and left town. And where they stayed for the night they realized he wasn't there and no one had seen him. Look what Dr. Luke tells us. (laughs) Verse 44 of chapter 2, Thinking he was in their company, they traveled for a day, and then they began to look for him among their friends and relatives. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem looking for him, and after three days found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. One more time, Mary is faced with, "'Who is my son?' What is he doing here? What does this mean? (laughs) Everyone was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And his response is a major turning point in history. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be where? In my father's house, and he's standing in the temple, and suddenly for maybe a 30- or 31-year-old Mary came a realization. Oh, as much as I have loved him as my son, he's really not my son. He has come for a much larger purpose on our planet than to just be my son and provide for me in my old age. And right there, I believe, began the process of her releasing Jesus as a young teenage boy into becoming who he really was and accomplishing his real purpose. Remember where you were, Mom, when you were maybe 28, 30, 32, when you first started into those teenage years? A- a- and you wondered if you were going to survive what you anticipated the teenagers would be for your children. And you cried out for God to give you the strength you were going to need. What do you suppose it was like for Mary as she walked away from the temple that day with a Jesus that now she was seeing very differently than the one that she had come to Jerusalem with just a few days before? Thank you. I wonder if maybe there's a 50-year-old woman in the room who uh, would like to help me for a couple moments. Because the next time we see Jesus in the story, he's now a young man. Can I have an approximately 50-year-old woman come and join me, please? Oh, have we reached now this point where... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, We have a 35-year-old who's willing to be a 50-year-old. Thank you. Thank you. I know it luke chapter 4 tells us that the next time you see jesus in the gospel story he's a young man i'm guessing mary was about 50 or so he had come back to nazareth his hometown and he had come into the synagogue of course the synagogue where he had been many times that we presume with his father joseph and there's a wonderful jewish tradition i wonder if you know it it's practiced even still today in synagogues around the world The same scripture from the Torah is read every single, pardon me, in every single synagogue in the world on the same Sabbath. They're all reading the same scripture. But here's the unique, wonderful thing they do. They will often ask, is there a visitor with us today? And then ask that visitor to read the Torah scroll. So Jesus was there that day as a young man of about 30, we can presume, and he was handed the Torah scroll to read. And it tells us there in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, as he read, he was reading from the prophet Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. When he finished reading, he rolled it up and he said in verse 21, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And suddenly Mary's heart was again struck in a new way. We don't know if she was in the synagogue that day, but what we do know is what happened immediately when he identified himself as the living fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. The city said, but wait a minute. We know you. You were born, you were raised in this community. Many of the the adults, I believe, said, you played with our kids. We know exactly who you are. You couldn't possibly be the fulfillment of the Scriptures. And Dr. Luke tells us, in their anger, they led him out of that synagogue and through the city streets and were ready to throw him over the cliff to kill him. Can you imagine what was happening to Mary as she watched the rejection of her townspeople, her friends, rejecting her son? It wasn't the first, uh, going to be the last time, of course. And I'd like you to consider, my dear friends, that the journey of being mother to Jesus. For Mary was continually bringing new understanding of who is this man. But especially in his adult months, heartbreak after heartbreak, as the one that she really believed is God incarnate, the Savior of the world, was rejected over and over again. I don't know how many days or weeks later it was, but John tells us that there was another wonderful occurrence for this woman. And this time, I'd like us to just step right into the story by watching the drama on the screen. It was a wedding feast that took place. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there with Jesus and others. Watch this.
1: Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. (laughs) when the wine had given out Jesus' mother said to him they are out of wine madam what do you have to do with this my time has not yet come Do whatever he tells you. The Jews have rules about ritual washing, and for this purpose, six stone water jars were there, each one large enough to hold between 20 and 30 gallons. Fill these jars with water. filled them to the brim. Now draw some water out and take it to the man in charge of the feast. They took him the water, which now had turned into wine, and he tasted it. Jesus performed this first miracle in Cana in Galilee. There he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him.
0: I like that the gospel account tells us that he said to her, Dear woman, I regret they translated that, Madam. The love that Jesus had for his mother is obvious. The respect that he had for Mary is also obvious and the tenderness that he had toward her. My time has not yet come. It was important for him to say that because as soon as he began to do the miracles, he knew the crescendo would build toward his rejection. At that wedding feast, the relationship changed between Mary and Jesus. As she began to see that his mission was now intentional, And the rejection of many was heartbreaking to her. Thank you. A few years later, that Mary stood at the cross, John tells us. And Jesus, from the cross, said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. Meaning John. The disciple who was standing next to her. And he spoke to John, Here is your mother. And John writes that from that day he took her home to be with him and cared for her. I wonder if I could have one more woman join me on the platform. Mrs. Hovestall, could I ask you to join me on the platform, please? Don't you love this dear woman? We don't know how long dear Mary lived. We don't know how long Mary lived, but what I would like to ask you to consider is those years were very special for her and everyone who knew her. You see, Dr. Luke does tell us in the book of Acts that when Jesus ascended back into heaven, those who were on the hillside with him that afternoon came into Jerusalem, gathered together, and began to pray. And he names that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Is it possible, therefore, that she stood and watched her son, risen Lord Jesus, ascend back to heaven? I'd like you to consider that from that moment forward, Mary's role in the world became very significant. Can you imagine if you had the privilege of being John and sitting to have breakfast with Mary 10 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, tell me the story again. Tell me about the angel. Tell me about the trip down to Bethlehem. Tell me about the shepherds. Tell me how he took his first step. (laughs) Have you noticed how different John's gospel is from the others? I think this is why. As led by the Holy Spirit, what John learned about who this man was was so special because he had the privilege of hearing it from Mary. Ladies in the room, No matter where you are in your journey of life, a teenager, a 20-something, a 30-year-old, a 50-year-old, a young 60, Mm. (laughs) no matter where you are in the journey, who is Jesus to you? If you know this, dear woman, my guess is, She's a lot like Mary. If you know much about her children, you know that every one of them bears her fingerprint, especially in their love for Jesus that they inherited from Harold and Virginia Hovestall. Would you agree if you know their children? I think dear Mary remained humble. I think dear Mary remained joyful that she'd had the privilege of of being the one who held Jesus first, (laughs) the one who nursed him, the one who loved him like no other woman has ever had the privilege of loving him, the one whose heart was broken over and over again because those to whom he came rejected him. And men in the room, how many times have you placed yourself in the sandals of Joseph? trying to understand who is this little boy, this teenager, this man, and how do you be daddy to God on earth, and how do you be husband to Mary? This Mother's Day, of all the things that your children, especially your adult children, are thanking you for, moms, Could it be that 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 which they thank you for most is the way you know Jesus, your love for Jesus, and how you've helped them know and love Jesus? Who is this man, Jesus, to you? Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you so much for giving us so much information about the woman who God chose to be your earthly mother. We thank you that the Gospels give us the chance to know her as a teenager, as a 20-something, as a 30-year-old, as a 50-year-old. Oh, I wish we knew more about her in her 60s and 70s. But I thank you, Holy Spirit of God, that John's writings seem to reflect the unusual touch of this dear woman on his life. So, God, what about us in this room? Where are we in our maturing journey with Jesus? Are we first meeting him, first becoming aware of who you are, Jesus? Have we known you for some years, and we're maturing in that, and we're having the privilege of helping others know you? Are you this Mother's Day, O God, stretching all of us in this room and everyone in our families to know you even differently than we've ever known you before? And when all is said and done, O God, and we leave behind our legacies, how much of that legacy that we leave to our children and our grandchildren will be all that we know about you and our relationship with you? We worship you now, Lord Jesus, on this Mother's Day, grateful that one more time you have invited us to consider you and the difference you'd love to make in our lives and the relationship you are inviting each of us to have with you. And so we worship you in Jesus' name.
1: worship our Lord Jesus Christ.